if you're a member here and you uh, come consecutively on Saturday nights, I just want you guys to know that we really appreciate you um, doing that, making it important to invest in this uh, ministry opportunity. And if you are a guest, I hope you feel really welcome here. Uh, this is a place where you can just come and be yourself and hopefully hear an encouraging word and great music, right? So um, if you're a guest tonight, I also want you to know, I promise I'll keep this to about 30 minutes because right before I got up here, I chugged a 44-ounce pop, and I think that's all my bladder can take is about 30 minutes. <laughs> so I promise it'll be short. Um, but I genuinely believe that God has a reason for each of us to be here tonight, and I think that he has something for all of us. But before I get into what we're going to talk about, would you just pray with me? Dear God, thank you for tonight. Um, thank you for this opportunity to be able to, to just be with your people um, and just talk about truths that you've revealed in my life. And um, God, I just pray that as I speak, like Chris said, that it's your words. I, I know that you're here. I know that you're with us. And I pray that you will move us for life change tonight. Jesus, in my prayer. Amen. So we've recently started a sermon series entitled, This Is My Story. And two weeks ago, we were discussing things that we needed to start doing. Um, things in our life that would just improve our lives, improve our stories, and make it one worth telling. Last week, we talked about things that we needed to stop doing, things that were holding us back for experiencing the fullness that Christ had for our lives. And tonight, I'm really excited to be talking about times when God calls us to stay. Uh, if you saw outside, it said, I decided to stay. And I think there's a lot of moments in our life where we can feel God telling us to stay. Those times where it would be a whole lot easier to just go, it might be for you tonight, your marriage. It would be so much easier for you to pack a bag and leave, but you know that you made a vow, and you need to honor that for God. Maybe tonight it's just a relationship, whether it's a friendship or uh, a broken family relationship. I don't know, but you know that God will be honored if you mend that relationship, if you fix it. Maybe it's something completely different. Maybe it's not a relationship, it's not marriage, but it's just life. You wake up in the morning and you have no motivation. You have no drive or desire to find out what your purpose is for that day. But God is telling you, stay in this. You can do it. I think that there's one central point, one central thing that if we can get this down pat, that no matter what we experience, no matter what trauma or hard time comes our way, we'll be able to handle it with grace in the way that God wants us to handle it. And that one central truth is, stay near to the presence of God. I think that's the key. Because when you're staying near to the presence of God and your marriage falls apart, when you're staying near to the God and you're having a hard time at work or you're having trouble in your relationships or you're depressed and you just can't get through the day, when you're near to Him, He'll fill you with strength, he'll fill you with peace, he'll fill you with a contentment, and he'll get you through. So the story that we're going to be talking about tonight that I think beautifully illustrates that point, uh, a man in the Bible who I think truly got the concept of being in the presence of God, is the story of Joseph and the coat of many colors. Now I know a lot of you guys have probably heard that story from when you were kids, and when I was a kid, you know, I heard it, but it has so much more of a meaning to me now in my adult life and I think that's just because it resonates with me. Um, there's a deeper understanding there because I've experienced things where it's like God has shown me specifically through Joseph, Joseph's life how I need to handle certain circumstances. So to refresh your memory about the story of Joseph, when Joseph was just 17 years old, 
His family was literally torn apart by his brother's jealousy and resentment. You see, Joseph had a clear purpose on his life from the time that he was born. His mother and his father saw that, but his brothers couldn't stand him because of it. You see, in that time, the firstborn son was revered and honored more highly than the rest of the siblings. But Joseph was the 11th born, but his parents held him to the standard, and that was because God had his hand on Joseph. But his brothers let the jealousy consume them. They beat him, and they threw him in a pit, surely to die. (laughs) Well, at first, it was surely to die, but then they got worse. They saw that they might be able to make some money. And so this man, Joseph, who had a reputable, reputable name in the Canaanite community, was on the slave trade block. He lost his name. He went from having a family to being lonely. Then he was sold to a man named Potiphar. He became a servant. Now, at this part in the story, you expect the scripture to say words like depressed, despair, broken, beaten down, bitter. But when we look at the scripture, when we pick up in the story, in Genesis chapter 39, which is what we're going to go to, we don't see any of those words. Would you put those uh, words up for me on the the screen? If you have your Bible, you can turn to it. It's Genesis 39, verses 2 through 5. And I want you to pay attention to the thing that's repeatedly said over and over. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master, Potiphar. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All of his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. See, the thing in that passage that we see over and over and over again was that the Lord was with Joseph that the Lord saw favor in Joseph's life, that Joseph had mastered this whole concept of being in the presence of the Lord. And because of that, when he faced this traumatic experience, when he faced this time in his life when most people would crumble, Joseph handled it with grace. It says Joseph prospered. And I think if we can understand how he did that, if we can understand Joseph's heart tonight, when we have hard times in our lives, we'll be able to respond in the same way with the same amount of grace. And I think that there's three key things that God calls us to do to remain in his presence. The first thing I think he calls us to do is stay in prayer. To stay in prayer, to literally pray the pain out. You know, I think it's a hard time for us sometimes in church to pray genuine prayers. You know, you pray when you wake up in the morning, you pray at night, you pray every time you eat, you pray in church about six times, you're you're constantly praying. And it can be so easy for Christians to get in the habit of just making these routine, generic prayers that really are just words. You see, when we look at the Bible and we look at how people pray and what honors God, we see a story of Jesus Christ in the garden. And it says that Jesus wept. It says that Jesus cried out to God. 
You see, I think we're afraid to be real with God. I think we're afraid that if we tell God we're pissed off, if we tell God that we're mad, that that's going to somehow turn out really, really ugly. But the fact of the matter is, when we come to God with a genuine heart and a genuine spirit, and we say, God, listen, I don't understand. I need you. He listens. You see, we have to remember that God isn't just a God in heaven who's distant, but God is our Father. And when your heart's breaking, he wants to hear about it. You might say, Blake, if I went to God every single time something went wrong in my life, I would constantly be praying. Well, there was another guy who did that. His name was Jeremiah. And they made an entire book of the Bible about his request to the Lord and his prayers. It was called Lamentations, the book of lamenting. You see, prayer is so powerful and it's so vital to staying near and in the presence of God. The second thing that I think is extremely important is to stay in church, to lean on God's people. You know, I know for me, and probably you, as soon as something bad in our life happens, we immediately try to push away all the people that love us the most. And I think exactly what that is, is Satan telling us lies. It's Satan saying, you can feel sorry for yourself. It's Satan saying, look at your life. It's Satan saying, yeah, you should despair, and yeah, you should be lonely, and yeah, you should be broken. But all of that, all of that is crap. Because what he wants you to do is focus so much on your present circumstance that you forget the creator. You forget the one that controls your circumstances. There's a beautiful story in the Bible about um, prayer, but also about community. You see, when I talk about church, I'm not just talking about tonight or on Sunday morning remembering the Sabbath, but it says in Matthew 8, when two or more are gathered, Jesus is there. That the Lord is there. I, I can't emphasize to you more tonight that you need to have brothers and sisters in your life that know you intimately. If you're going through problems in your marriage, you need to have somebody there that's holding you accountable, that's realigning your heart and your mind, and that's not afraid to tell you the truth, even when you don't want to hear it. The story in the Bible that I was referring to was when Moses ascended the hill, when the Amalekites were fighting the Israelites. And the story goes that when he went up on the mountain with his two best soldiers, he raised his hands and he began to pray. And as long as his hands were raised, the Israelites would prevail. But the story goes on and it says every time that Moses' hands began to drop, the Amalekites would gain power. You see, one of the greatest power hitters in the Bible, one of the men that God used more in the entire Bible, needed two men to hold his arms up so that he could win that battle. You see, we need that tonight in our lives. We need people that are holding our arms up so when things get hard, we have people to help us win battle. The third thing I think is vital is this. We need to stay faithful to a faithful God. You know, when I read the story of Joseph, I can't help but think that this thought went through his mind at some point. I don't know if it was when his brothers were beating the crap out of him. I don't know if it was when he was all alone at the bottom of that pit. I don't know if it was when he realized he had just been bought like some piece of meat at a market. But I have to believe that Joseph said at one point, maybe just in his mind, where are you, God? You know, why? How can this possibly be a part of your plan? How can this possibly be something that, that you're in, that you're here? 
See, it's so easy to doubt and forget about God when things are hard. Because if Joseph were to say that, he would be saying that in response to the things that life had created. And I want to tell you something tonight. When you focus on just the things that are around you, on just the things that are hurting you, and just the things that are making you struggle and stumble in your life, you're looking at brokenness, you're looking at the result of a fallen world, and the only thing it can bring to you is pain. You see, I think that G- Joseph, in this story, had to come to some sort of resolve throughout the story. I think he had to come to a place in his life where he said, you know what? This does suck, but you're still God. See, the key to remembering that we have a faithful God is to remember his character. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been going through a really trying time, a time where most people would just forget about God, pretend like he forsaked you, pretend like he wasn't in it, but instead you reminded yourself, the Spirit of God is living inside me. God is holding the universe into motion. Jesus Christ's crucifixion is still saving souls. God can bear fruit in the famine. And I wake up every morning with a purpose and a plan for my life because God is good. And when you do that, when you lift your eyes from your circumstance and you lift your eyes to who God is, his glory can only bring about a state of contentment and peace in your heart. You see, the story that we were reading about Joseph didn't just end with him being put in charge of the household. Joseph, through a series of events, ended up becoming the second most powerful ruler in all of Egypt, second to Pharaoh. And during that time, there was a great famine in Canaan, where he grew up. And all of his brothers and his father Jacob had to go to the land of Goshen to get food. Hmm. I have thought so many times in my life, how would I handle that situation? How would I handle that, you know? I have the control now. I have the power. If I don't give them food, then they'll surely not live. But I mean, look at what they've done to me. They beat me. They sold me. They, they forsake me. They forgot about me. They dismissed me. They changed my entire life. But you see, the way Joseph responds is so beautiful because he doesn't look back. He looks up. This sermon series is called This Is My Story. And so if I can be transparent with you for just a moment, um, this story means so much to me because the last eight months of my life, I've literally lived out this story. See, I went to Campbellsville University my freshman year of college and you know, I was all excited, and I was trying to get involved in it as much as I could. I was trying to make a name for myself and build a reputation. And I had all of these, these goals and these lists of things that I wanted to accomplish as a freshman. And one of them was invest in someone's life who you normally wouldn't. So over a period of a couple weeks during that first semester, I met a guy on the track team who well, was just broken. His father was abusive when he was a kid and always beat up on his mom. His mom was into prostitution. His grandparents were into drug trade. And his life was an image of just sinful, nasty brokenness. 
And so I felt like that was who I was supposed to invest in. I, I thought that that was who God wanted me to minister to. And so I tried doing that that freshman year. You know, whether that was being there for him financially when he needed money or just being that ride to wherever we needed to go or just being there to talk to when nobody else would listen. I tried my best to show him what the love of God looked like. You see, this last semester at Campbellsville, he realized that I was trying to show him God's love and not the messed up thing he thought I was trying to show him. And he responded with what he knew. You've probably heard the expression, hurt people hurt people. Well, he did what Joseph's brother did. This person that I trusted, that I tried to pour into, responded violently in a way that completely changed my life. Totally changed my life. And I remember driving out to the lake after everything had happened and just opening my car door and walking out on the pier and just screaming out to God, why? That was the only word I could muster up. Why? About that time, at about 4.30 in the morning, my phone vibrated. And I laughed sarcastically. And I remember looking up and, and saying, oh, is that you now? Are you here now? And I pulled out my phone and I had a message that said, I just want you to know your life matters and I love you. And I remember crying right there and just looking up at the sky and seeing all the stars and saying, God, you're still God. And I don't understand what your plan is. I can't see what the next day looks like or why this possibly had to happen, but I know you're still God. You see, if it wasn't for that moment, I wouldn't be standing here tonight. I wouldn't be preaching this message to you. I wouldn't have met one of the most incredible human beings I've ever met who's literally changed my life. If it wasn't for that moment where my friend Courtney took the time to just tell me that she loved me and that my life mattered, I wouldn't be here. And now after months of healing and seeing God's grace in my life and seeing how he always redeems, how he always fulfills his promise to be with us, I believe I could probably respond similarly to Joseph. You see, Joseph looked his brothers in the eye and he said, you intended this to harm me, but God intended this for good, for this present moment so that many lives might be saved. And I can say here tonight that I believe that. That kid, he, he intended that to hurt me. But God intended that for this present moment here in this room tonight so that many lives might be saved. I believe that everything that we've talked about tonight can resonate in our, our hearts, each one of us. If you're a Christian in the room tonight, Maybe you've gone through a really trying time and you've kind of forgotten to stay in prayer. You've kind of drifted away from the church. Maybe you've even doubted God and who he is. I challenge you to draw near to the
presence of God. Maybe you're in this room tonight and you've never even heard about God. You're not a Christian, or you've heard about it, but you've hated everything you thought he was. You didn't realize that he cared about you. You didn't realize that he heard you when you called. You didn't realize that he had a plan for your life, and you didn't realize that he redeems. I want you to know tonight that he's with you. And whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian in the room tonight, one thing being at the bottom of the pit does is it causes you to look up. Scripture says, I lift my eyes into the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Tonight, would you lift your eyes up? Tonight, would you draw near to the presence of God? Would you pray with me? pray that if they don't know you, that they'll find you. I pray that they'll look up. God, thank you for just being you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. During this time, you can respond in any way. You can respond by giving of tithes and offerings. You can respond by taking communion which represents the body and the blood of Jesus Christ who died so that we might have life, so that we might have that hope that I talked about. But most importantly, guys, tonight, I think the real response is to get real with God. Have you done the things that you needed to do to draw near to Him, to stay in His presence? Or do you even know Him? Whatever it is, know that this altar is open, that I'm standing here willing to pray with you and I want to pray with you, to encourage you, and to tell you all the things you need to know about God and how he can change your heart and your life. If you are struggling, if you're in a point that's just so hard that you can't bear it anymore, you know you can't keep doing it on your own, then surrender. There's no better time than right now, tonight. Because the sooner you give your life to God, the sooner you'll see the fruit, the sooner you'll see that God always lives up to his promises. It says in Hebrews, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. That's a promise you can hold on to tonight. So would you respond during this time? Stand and sing with Chris and really meditate on the words. And if you need prayer, please come down. Pray at the altar, pray in your seats, or pray with me.